We got Linux running on a Huawei MateBook X. Never lose a flash drive again with SanDisk flashback. Save energy with a low power PC and a look at the future of headphones. All coming up on Tech Thing. A big thank you to all our patrons. Join the crew that makes Tech Thing possible at patreon.com slash tech thing. Thank you. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patty Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we have something useful in every single show. And I feel like I'm cha-chaing today, because he's pulling back and forth and he's very, forth and back. You're very active. I, I'm liking it. It's cool. <laughs> it's, uh, I've been sitting and typing for a while. Yeah, same. And now I'm loose. <laughs> and there may have been three cups of coffee and a sugar cookie. Yay, coffee. Speaking of coffee, <laughs> to make the worst segue, I think of 2019, but it's early yet. If you're a kind of person who has little tiny thumb drives, have you ever lost a thumb drive? Uh, no, but I know you have. <laughs> You've never lost a thumb drive? I ha I'm really, really anal when it comes to like making sure I keep everything in very... I'm like the Marie Kondo of technology, okay? Okay, people? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm very I've seen organized. <laughs> I will say it comes in fits and spurts. Yes. Things get to does. a certain point of wreckage and then you're like... <laughs> the NAS is clear. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> So I haven't lost a thumb drive, but I know a lot of people, people that do, have. right? My um, sister has, my my mom has. Yeah. You have. <laughs> Actually, I've lost one. You have. I've only lost one. Okay. And I remember that one. Cuz so, you told me about it. Yeah, it was bad. So, you know, the idea of never losing a thumb drive sounds really, really awesome. Yeah. And technically what SanDisk is talking about uh, with their new flashback service means never losing the contents of a thumb drive again. Plus, and this is kind of the really cool part, you get a searchable cloud backup of the contents mm -hmm. of, well, select SanDisk drives from anywhere you has a connection to the internet. So um, this is one of the models that's currently being sold on. This is SanDisk UltraFit USB 3.1. This is, a, they have like 16 gigabyte to 256 gigabyte models. Nice. I think I own five of these, the original SanDisk UltraFit. It's a great price. It's a great price and they're amazing because you kind of put it in your, I had a, a, a laptop with 128 gigabytes of storage. Yeah. And by buying one of these, I doubled the amount of local storage on my laptop. Yes. Yes, <laughs> especially when you're trying to keep gigabytes and gigabytes of music nearby at all time. Oh yeah. So one of the, the hard drives, that, or I should say the thumb drives that disappeared temporarily, um, the cat decided that this was perfect. The UltraFit hockey battle. Oh cat no. Cat versus thumb drive, um, <laughs> pound under the couch. Um, no. So backing up thumb drives is kind of a pain in the ass for most folks. Uh, you could tie it into uh, a Backblaze setup for whenever it's plugged into your laptop and then, or your desktop and then Backblaze would be like, if you set it up, okay, when this drive is here, back it up automatically. Um, but Sandisk's new flashback is really, really cool because it essentially focuses on one thing and doing it well, which is giving you access to all of the thumb drives and all the information on them. Wow. So if you have one of the compatible drives, you go to sanddish.com slash flashback, and that's sanddisk, not sanddish. Uh, you download the app for Windows or Mac, and I just want to make it really clear, this is available on new drives moving forward, sanddisk ultra flash drives and the ultra fit flash drives, because they've basically put a serial number that the software can identify. Oh. Otherwise, everybody with a USB thumb drive would be like, I'll sign up for this yeah. uh, service. So it's not backwards compatible. It's not backwards compatible. Uh, but once you've configured it, every time you put the drive in the machine, it automatically backs up any new files on there. If you've deleted files, it deletes them from your storage, but it gives you 30 days to kind of look in the recycle bin and make sure they're still there. Um, if you take a look way down here in the corner, it lives in the Windows system tray. Oh. You hit flashback and then 
Let's watch what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when I insert the flash drive into my PC. <gasps> Flashback? It recognizes it. Yes, Windows is windowing. So uh, oh. I don't have much in there. 229 gigabytes of 233 gigabytes available. And if I wanted to do search, I could go up here and be like that, that file. And it's going to launch me into a window. And look, kids, there's oh, that that's file. that's so cool. Yeah, so it gives an individual entry for each different device. Uh, as far as you can tell, there's no way to change the name. But what it does is automatically back all of that stuff up onto the cloud. Wow. So I can search for Hisense. Bing. And I'm guessing you can search for specific file types, too? Let's see what happens when I try star.jpg. Oh, probably would help if I did an actual... Pog. Pogs. Pogs. <laughs> J. Nope. JP. Oh wait, here's photos and videos. Oh, and I can do photos and videos 2019. Uh, well, here we go. From the Sony. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. So I'm searching by one particular camera, basically my uh, nice that's camera. Neat. Yeah. So it's not quite as granular as Windows would be. Right. But I mean, here, let's try it again. Still pretty useful, though. That's all my photos and videos. Okay, these are ones. That's ones taken with my phone. That's ones taken with my uh, camera or over here. So it takes all the metadata and allows you to search for it. Yeah, it's pretty slick, actually. Huh. That is so cool. I like it. Um, there's one thing I would actually like to be able to do that it doesn't do, which is if I go into devices, I've figured out a way to change the name of the device oh, in there. Oh, yeah. So I could be like, you know, Seamus's drive, my wife's drive, this drive, that drive, the right. other drive. Uh, but one thing you can do in here that's kind of fascinating is, okay, here's that video uh, of the... Super fancy yeah. rollable LG screen. Yeah, the LG signature. And I can actually create a shareable link for that off of their oh, uh, backup neat. server, their cloud service. Okay. Pricing is pretty reasonable. The first year is, uh, well, free with the drive. Cool. And then after that, a 16 gig is like 99 cents a year and a 256 gig drive is $9.99 a year. So it's not uh, it's not going to break the bank. And I just want to make it clear, it's only available on the latest generation of SanDisk Ultra Flash Drives and Fit Flash Drives. Um, and you'll see a little free cloud offer tag uh, on the top corner of the package. Now, my biggest concern when it comes to cloud backups is do they have a zero knowledge policy? They don't currently have an overtly stated zero knowledge policy, but uh, I have some queries into Western Digital uh, slash SanDisk. But if you dig into the terms of service, and thank you for the opportunity to read that incredibly <laughs> scintillating document. Hey, somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody's got to do it. Today it was my turn. Uh, WDD will make commercially reasonable efforts to ensure that all facilities used to store and process your data, all in caps, your data, meet a high standard for security. Okay. So it's hardly it's a zero big. knowledge. <laughs> well, yeah, um, you know they also have a really nice wording there that basically says, "Hey, be careful who you share files with, because yeah. once you've shared a file, it's shared." Yeah. <laughs> um, they didn't say it. They they said your data and lots of fancy legal words. But yeah, if you want you know absolute privacy, you're probably not going to unless you trust SanDisk, which mm -hmm. is fine. They you know I, I, I trust all of my precious memories and a lot of music to to SanDisk products, um, but you know. I think this is a, a trade-off convenience. Yeah, um, it is. I haven't found anything that says they're going to be able to sell my data or scan my images or, or share them with Mark Zuckerberg or, or any company Mark Zuckerberg once talked <laughs> with in a bar. Um, no, wait. Any oh, company Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> talked with in a bar and then took money from to give them data. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm feeling a little cranky about Facebook. 
and, and their porous data nature. So I feel they'll probably be a lot better than Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you like the product? I like the product. It's basically cool. a, a free add-on on, on a category of product I already buy a lot of. Yeah. Um, they don't plan to make it backwards compatible because there's that sort of identification right. yeah, that tag that has to be built in. But you can't expect it, they say, to show up. Or they would expect it. It would not be unlikely. Um, to have it show up on additional SanDisk products cool. in the future. All right. So well, of course, if you all have any questions about that, you can reach out to Patrick since he has one here with <laughs> us. Uh, ask at techthing.com or they can tweet you too. At Patrick Norton. I love the Twitter. <laughs> I got to review the Huawei MateBook X Pro a few <laughs> weeks ago and it's pretty nice. Like you can check it out over on their website, Huawei.com. And uh, yeah, it's a nice machine. It's $1199.99 from the Microsoft Store. It runs Windows 10, obviously, since Microsoft is selling it. It has a gorgeous 3000 by 2000 resolution screen. That Surface was one of my book favorite style. Parts. Yeah, and really great speakers too. And it's also got eighth gen Intel i5 or i7 CPUs, NVIDIA laptop graphics, eight gigs or 16 gigs of RAM, a long lasting battery, 500 gigs of storage, and the list goes on. So of course, of course, I'm like, hey, check out this thing. And then the internet asked me if you can run Linux on it, and I decided to try it out. Ta-da! And then everyone had to ev evacuate our building after the fire. <laughs> no, it didn't blow up. There was no fire. It's Linux, people. It's not that dangerous. <laughs> no, it's not. I have installed Linux Ubuntu on here mm -hmm. in a dual boot configuration alongside Windows 10. You were really excited about how much easier dual booting has got. Dude, like the last time I dual booted with any Linux operating system alongside Windows was like years ago. And it's gotten so much easier now. So I was just like, look at this. I could just like change the size of the partition just by moving my mouse back and forth. Like it, it's amazingly easy now. Trauma free. Trauma free. <laughs> like there's no dealing with grub or anything. It just does it all for you. So it's wonderful. They make it super easy to create a bootable flash drive too with Ubuntu mm -hmm. that you can either do the dual boot mode in or you can just install Ubuntu completely, which would wipe out the current operating system, which is Windows 10. Uh, so I preferred to do Windows dual boot partition since this is a review unit and that will make it easier for me to wipe the Ubuntu mm -hmm. partition once I have to send this back to Huawei. So anytime you restart the computer after you install Ubuntu on a machine from a flash drive, you will get an option to either boot Ubuntu or Windows 10 like I have ah. here. And both operating systems worked flawlessly on the MateBook X Pro and I have had no hiccups so far. It's, this is good. It's been working really <laughs> great. So I've tried a few different three things. I tried running some normal usage mm -hmm. in Ubuntu, such as like video playback. I did some browsing, did some audio tests. Uh, the battery life is great too. It hasn't seem to do any issues with the battery life. Really? It works very well compared to Windows 10, which also still works very well on this machine. Uh, I didn't notice any issues with the drivers, like the touchpad or the wireless drivers on the machine. Everything worked. Everything worked. All of them worked fine once the operating system was installed. Now, during installation with Ubuntu, it does give you the option to download third-party software and drivers, which mm -hmm. I always choose to do so, so I don't have to worry about it later, especially if something breaks upon oper uh, the, the right. operating system installation. Now, I partitioned it to 250 gigs for each of them. So it's 500 gigs total, so I just did 250, 250, because it was easy for Ubuntu. That was plenty of room for like work and play and downloading files and everything mm -hmm. that you need, so no issues there. 
and I have to say, like, I am so impressed by the fact that Ubuntu is so much easier to install now. During this past decade, it has just become so simple to set up a dual booting computer, mm -hmm. and the drivers have become even more compatible with Linux Ubuntu. Even if the laptop is not necessarily certified, and if you go over to Ubuntu's website, or Canonical's website, they do have a whole list of different products that are available that they consider certifiable with Ubuntu. This includes Dell, Lenovo, HP, Intel, Acer, and Carambo, which I have never heard of Carambo before. Is that certification.ubuntu.com slash desktop? Yes, it is. So if you want to check that out, we'll put that in the uh, show notes as well, because they do include laptops and desktops on that site. So I am curious if you would like to see me trying to install Ubuntu on other laptops that we get in for review. Like I could just do a whole series where Shannon installs <laughs> Linux on everything. <laughs> <laughs> and if you would like to see a tutorial of how to install Ubuntu on pretty much any given uh, laptop or desktop that you have, let me know because uh, I've done it so many times, like I could probably do it in my sleep now. So if you have any Linux questions as well, of course, I usually stick to Hack5 for all of those, but I can absolutely cover some of those on TechThing as well. So email ask at techthing.com if you have any questions about um, Ubuntu, Linux Mint, Puppy, any, any of those. I'm more than happy to talk about them on the show. But what if the nice people in the audience want to tweet? You can tweet me too, at TechThing or at Snubs, S-N-U-B-S. I can answer all those too. I'm like always on Twitter too. Ask my coworkers. We love your questions, your tips, your suggestions, your products and ideas to check out. You guys are amazing. Thank you for watching Tech Thing. You can always email us, ask at techthing.com or tweet at techthing or at snubs or at Patrick Norton or just email. I'll say it again, ask at techthing.com. And a big shout out to our patrons, patreon.com slash techthing. You pay the bills, you make the show possible. Our thanks to you. Join the crew that makes Tech Thing happen at patreon.com slash techthing. Lauren Dragon, senior staff writer of the wire cutter, has listened to more headphones than I have and more under $50 earbuds, I suspect, than any other human alive. Welcome back to Tech Thing. Hey, good to be here. I, so our big choir, our end of the year, our wrap-up show. What are you looking forward to in headphones and earbuds in 2019? Well, I mean, it's hard to say, but I can tell you one thing that I'm definitely not looking forward to. Uh, and that is headphones being jammed into other products and trying to make them a third type of thing, like, I don't know, sunglasses with headphones in them. It's like, let's take really crappy earbuds and smash them somehow into something that you don't want to wear in the first place and then give you this and say, go forth and don't enjoy this product. What's hard, uh, like, what's easier to lose than truly wireless earbuds Truly wireless earbuds shoved into sunglasses. Well, and yeah, and then of course, you know, no one ever loses their sunglasses anywhere. <laughs> What's, ever. I mean, are you actually wearing a, a truly wireless set of earbuds right now? Have they arrived? Yeah. I think they've finally gotten to the point where they're actually useful. I think okay. that's what's what's nice. Um, have they arrived from an audiophile perspective? No. I mean, the I haven't heard a pair yet that I think, you know, people that are, listening to their planar magnetics at home are going to be thrilled with. But in terms of the the usefulness of them for the day in, day out kind of getting to work, listening to stuff in the car or, you know, while you're on the bus or something uh, at the gym, I mean, they've finally gotten to the point where they have a long enough battery life, they're reliable enough, they sound good enough, the functionality is there that, yeah, I mean, honestly, I find myself wearing and using these a lot. And, you know, I have literally hundreds of things at my disposal. Mm -hmm. um, and that says something to me that I keep reaching for them. 
Are those the jobbers you're wearing right now? Yes, these are the Elite 65T. Um, I'm, I, you guys can tell me how the microphones sound on them. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they, they, they sound really great. And yeah, I, I've been actually very happy with, with these guys and their sweat resistance, their water resistant. Mm -hmm. uh, they have all the controls that like a lot of the other ones don't. So you can skip tracks, volume, stuff like that. So you aren't losing any of the functionality that you would have gotten in your traditional wired ones. And they just, you know, I mean, they're pretty small in there. You know, it's not like big, crazy, insane headphones on my head. So. I like them. So uh, one of the things I think a lot of people are just starting to realize is modern Bluetooth streaming, aptX, aptX HD is actually pretty good in, in the sense that, that wireless streaming to headphones is not necessarily evil. Yes. It, you know, look, a lot has changed. I think when this stuff first came out, yes, you got a lot of compression and did not sound good. But, um, you know, if anybody, I don't know if you're familiar with Brent Butterworth, but he actually has a blind test on mm -hmm. his website that you can go to and I defy anyone to listen to that and say that there isn't some quality sounding stuff on there um, aptX HD especially uh, so you know look I understand the purists philosophy and I think there's a time and a place for that but I think a lot of us especially people that are busy mm -hmm. uh, maybe parents uh, you know you're willing to sacrifice a modicum to be able to get the freedom sure and that's really what I think that this has been providing to people, and it's not a horrible experience by any stretch. One of the things we were talking about uh, earlier, inexpensive, widespread, custom in-ears. Do you think that's going to happen this year? I don't know. I'm curious to see. I think we're very, very close. I think the hardest thing is going to be getting the distribution of places to scan people. So the technology is there. There are different ways that I've seen people doing it. I've seen some companies do a laser scan where they basically just hold something aside your mm -hmm. ear and it does like a general scan, which, you know, really you could train a, someone at a kiosk at Best Buy to do for sure. you. Um, you know, look, if you can pierce ears at Claire's, you can scan an ear at Best Buy. <laughs> And then there's also, you know, it's not necessarily having to go to like you used to with the audiologist and the goo. I saw something once which was like a putty that heated mm -hmm. up in your ear and then it kind of became solidified and you mailed it back to them. Um, so it's really just getting the distribution. But I think as more and more true wireless stuff comes out and people want something in their ear for a longer period of time, I think that's going to be the answer to jump from the sort of toss away earbud crowd to the next level. And I also think that it will solve one of the biggest issues you have with earbuds, which is fit. Mm -hmm. In-ear monitors always have fit problems for everybody. And not getting the right fit affects more than just you know how they stay in your ears. It affects the sound, it affects the comfort. So if you can get past that, I think it's gonna behoove a lot of these audio companies to find a way to integrate that. And that we might start seeing more of that this year, I think. I'm always amazed. A friend of mine was like, these earbuds have no bass. And, I'm, and I was like, did they come with nine different sizes of ear tips? He's like, yes. Why would I do that? I'm like, just try some of the other ones. And about two hours later, he calls back. He's like, I have bass now. And it's amazing <laughs> what a little bit of leakage in the ear canal will do to just ruin everything. You know, physics is a bitch, I tell you. It's just... <laughs> Getting those ear, those sound waves to stay inside your ear canal properly are tricky as heck. Mm, 
Oh my goodness. So one of the things Braggy started with, you know, head nodding to answer calls, a lot of the sort of, uh, you know, not having to poke yourself or your phone to do something with your earbuds. Do you see more of that coming this year? Definitely. Um, and I think it's going to become a lot more widespread for fitness, I think, especially. There's a lot of things, you know, we saw in past years, some heart rate monitoring, things like that. But now we're actually getting to see more and more sort of integrative fitness tracking that does more than just following your data. It gives you coaching. So you're getting things that are keeping track of what's your gait like, are you tilting, you know, your body the right way. And I think it's just going to be adding more metrics. So I think we'll see a lot more of the virtual menu type stuff, a lot of the actual coaching feedback type stuff, because it's not that hard to put an accelerometer in these things, mm -hmm. and we have so much data coming in, it's just really getting the processing power, and I think more companies are working together to start doing that type of stuff. Hopefully not at the expense of the quality of the microphone or the actual audio experience. Yes, I know. And that's one of those things. I mean, there is always that that catch of new technology is always expensive or crappy. So <laughs> you have those two options. You were saying uh, like right now, right, you, you're using an inex relatively inexpensive set of in-ears that are wireless. Your audio is coming through great. Your mic works great. Um, you were saying you think headphones are going to be something you kind of leave on all day soon, like a smartwatch or a Fitbit? Yeah. I think, I think it's going to get more and more that way, especially when you add in those features that you're talking about with like head nodding and things. Um, I think also as we get, you know, and this is probably more like five to 10 years down mm -hmm. the road, but the, the tech is there. It's just not as seamless as we get the ability to stream more data to these things. Now that we have like Bluetooth 5.0, you're going to see more translation type software mm -hmm. so that, you know, and in the future, if you could imagine a world where you leave the, your earbuds in from the minute you get up to where you go, where you're getting directions in your ear, you're getting information that you need that you can okay. set up. So like as you're walking around, you know, it can recognize languages for you and start translating it mm -hmm. for you. Um, I think it's going to be interesting that it, it might just be a thing that we have all the time. And, you know, these actually have the ability to hear through them. So the, the microphones can be turned on and I can hear what's going on around me. So it's not that we're just going to be sealed off. Like you can still hear things around you, which also will be more of like a PSAP type thing. You know, the people that have hearing deficiencies or issues can have that modified mm -hmm. their world around them. So it's really just a matter of getting the battery life there and getting the data streaming there. I'm torn between how delightful that sounds on one end and the other end, having to like whack my son on the head to get him to turn on the ambient noise leaking in his earbuds. Take your earbuds off at the table and your hat. I mean, <laughs> to, to be fair, even when I didn't have headphones in, I was I was a zone kid that when I get into a book or something, I'd zone out and my parents would be talking to me and I would have no clue. So, eh, worst comes to worst, you can always call your kid's head. Oh my goodness. No comments as I reach over and think about <laughs> tapping my son. Um, Thewirecutter.com is a place to find your regular reviews and selections of the best audio products to buy. Uh, anything coming up you can tease? Oh gosh. Well, you know, we just did a kind of a major overhaul on a bunch of things. Um, so for right now, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's in particular that's super duper exciting. Honestly, I think the thing that I've been most impressed by is, and this is going to sound really silly, is that I realized the other day that I've been with Wirecutter for almost six years now. Whoa. I have, since I've been there, I've reviewed a thousand headphones. And that entire time, the Sony 7506s have remained a pick. 
since the very beginning. They're the only ones that have stood that test of time. So I think that says something about the audio community and what people really want. At the end of the day, if something works, it just sort of has that staying power. So mm -hmm. I would say, you know, as much as it's cool to chase all the newest tech, and I love it, you know, don't don't be afraid to still love your your old things. Don't be afraid to still like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't you don't need to don't need to fix it. Wise words, ladies and gentlemen. Lauren Dragon, the wire cutter, go over and read her stuff if you haven't. It is awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks. Let's save some energy for Sean. He writes in, Snubs and Patrick, I have a mid-tower desktop built around a Gen 1 i7. I use it eight hours a day to drive two 19-inch monitors. It plays video and audio podcasts while I work on a separate laptop and a 42-inch 4K TV. What can I upgrade my mid-tower to that saves on electricity and doesn't dump massive amounts of heat into my southeast corner second floor office. Are there Chrome desktops? I have an older kitchen laptop and a Surface Pro 6. I don't think I want to use my Pro 6 all day, every day. Thanks from Sean in STL. That's St. Louis. Yes, it is. Nice. Oh my goodness. So first of all, dude, I love that you're still using a Core i7 920 or 960 or whatever first did. I still have my Core i7 920 in the garage, like the motherboard what? and the product. It was just, it was a really badass Whoa. machine at the time. Robert Heron still uses one daily as his desktop. Wow. He keeps upgrading the GPUs. Um, here's the thing, check out, uh, this is like idle and peak power consumption information from Tom's hardware from a thousand years ago. Oh. And that Core i7 920, that's like 110 watts. Well, wow. 109 watts at idle. And if you have one of the faster ones, you might be idling anywhere, or if you're overclocking it, anywhere up to 130 plus watts. That's a lot of energy uh, to be burning uh, just sitting there. <laughs> so looking over here, another Tom's Hardware review of the Core i7, uh, Core i7, the Ryzen 7 1700, uh, that's idling at 14.1 watts. And wow. the 1800X that I run as my, my primary beast desktop is 14. 0.3 watts. So just by swapping to pretty much anything in the last two or three years, you're going to radically reduce the amount of electricity that your system consumes. Modern CPUs are way more efficient, in part because they, they shut down parts of them, they've gone to a higher process, the designs are more efficient. Um, you know, that Ryzen 1700 is going to game at like 45 watts, and if you video render a lot like me, you're hitting just over 80 watts. So you can run like all the cores on a Ryzen 7 1700 with less power than your Core i7-920 idles at. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, wow. moving to a new platinum power, sta or power station, power supply unit will help too because it's more efficient. Um, and if you're looking, you know, if you don't need the power and you're only using that desktop right now for podcasts and videos, there are actually Chromeboxes. Uh, Asus's Chromebox 3 is one of the better looking ones these days. Uh, <laughs> I laugh because every time I click on this website, I end up with a radically different price for this because I keep clicking <laughs> through different versions. Yeah. But depending on which one you get, they're anywhere from like 230 to, if you're really out of control, uh, wow. 720 bucks. Um, but like a, I saw a eight gigabyte Core i3 version for something in the neighborhood of $270. That's a 15 watt TDB part. So it's basically yeah. a laptop part. It's incredibly they're efficient. They're pretty efficient. Yeah, and they're pretty secure. Yes. And they're pretty stable at this point. Um, and for what it's worth, I was laughing. I went up to CPU Boss. So that Core i3-7100U that I was talking about, two cores, four threads, um, you know, it's a 15-watt TDP, so that's the total power it's going to draw. But if you take a look at CPU Boss, um, in terms of single-core performance, it is radically faster 
than that eight, ten year, eight or ten year old Core i7 920. So, you know, in a lot of applications, you might be running that Chromebox might be much faster. It will certainly be vastly more efficient to play back those podcasts and videos because they basically use no CPU power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a used laptop will also do the job and possibly cost a lot less if you happen to have one laying around or you like to get your Craigslist on. But yeah, almost anything will consume less power <laughs> than that desktop. <laughs> Pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 you know... I mean, it, it's kind of funny because a lot of people get really, really upset with like, I'm spending a lot of money and yeah. it depends. Um, you know, one, I don't believe in wasting electricity. So if you can shut things down or move to more efficient hardware. But, you know, if you were using that, you know, if it's idling most of the day or barely spooling up for the kind of activities you're doing, like 24 hours a day, 12 cents a kilowatt hour, you're still talking about $105 a year. Oh, wow. But if you go down, and this is 24 That's hours like a, a day. That's a lot of Starbucks Frappuccinos. That is a lot of Starbucks <laughs> Frappuccinos. Um, but if you take that down to 15 watts a day, that's gonna take it down to, wow, kids, $15.77 a year. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Cool. The big one, uh, I think if you're in the southeast corner with the heat though, is 100 watts, like, you know, basically it's going to generate 341 BTUs per hour. Wow. And I'm oversimplifying here. Uh, but we had a pump house um, at our place in Pennsylvania and a single 100 watt bulb inside the pump house, the little like four by four mm -hmm. by seven foot pump house, would keep the pump from freezing in sub-zero weather. Wow. So I will, I will t I've been there, like a Core i7-920, just blows out heat. It is horrifying. But like going for that 100 watt part, 341 BTUs per hour, uh, you know. 51, whoa, yeah. big difference. So, 51 BTUs per hour. You know, I'm oversimplifying and probably not really using these uh, statistics, uh, these specs, these stats, these measurements. Uh, the, you know, BTUs get complicated, but yeah. just, yeah. Almost any modern processor is gonna outperform that Core i7-920 on most tasks and generate a lot less heat. Good to know. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> a big thank you to Hack5 for sharing the studio space we use to bring the show to you. If you haven't been there, check out the security and privacy podcast at hack5.org, including, ladies and gentlemen, Hack5, Metasploit Minute, GoMubix, and of course, Shannon Morris's own ThreatWire. And then go over to the products area, Superior Pen Testing and USB Automation Tools. That's hack5.org slash gear. And one of my personal favorites is the Bash Bunny. Simple and powerful multifunction USB attack and automation platform for penetration testers and system administrators. These are so cool. Yes, they are. Never let anybody plug anything into your machine without permission. <laughs> I'm just saying. Especially me, because I love the Bash Bunny. So just, yeah, if I have a Bash Bunny with me, just make sure that you're keeping your computer on lockdown. Not that I would do that. Just epoxy over the USB ports. It's best for everyone <laughs> when Shannon's in the room. And <laughs> once in a while, step away from your phone. Put that down. Step away from your screen. Close your laptop. Do something analog, like checking out a classic arcade, Where which I got you? to do over the weekend. Were you in Alameda? I was. You were freaking half mile from my house. It's actually I, good. I you was didn't call. in Alameda. Yes, I was. The boys. It, it was a date, though. It was a love date. Love that place. Oh, okay. Oh, it was great. Yep. Yeah, I'll show you a couple of pictures. Like this Oregon Trail is emulator, awesome. which was so fun. My husband playing Tron. I was introducing him to Tron. So much fun. 
Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Galaga, of course, my selfies. Defender, Defender is so much fun. So um, this place is called High Scores Arcade. If you're in the Alameda area in the San Francisco Bay Area, then you should definitely check it out. And I also want to recommend another arcade that I absolutely adore from my, my college days. It's called 1984 Arcade over in Springfield, Missouri. I checked it out. It, apparently they are still open and going strong and they've been around nice. for well over a decade and a half. At and least. they have an ugly Christmas sweater. And they have an ugly Christmas sweater and I absolutely love that. So I adore 1984 Arcade. We interviewed them on Hack 5 and such good people. So if you're in that area, definitely check out some of these classic arcades. They do have Sinistar. They don't I have it. At, they don't have it at high scores, so there is that. They have many things at high scores. No one can have all of the games. No, they can't. Oh, my <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. Yeah, I really enjoyed Sinistar when I was a kid because it totally freaked me out because you're basically like trying to keep away from this very sinister star that's chasing you through <laughs> outer space and you're trying to like destroy its bases and stuff while you go. So you, uh, like at the moment that you see this star oh. like, fly at you and it goes Rah! like it's just, oh, it's so scary. But I remember it, that. It like gives me super anxiety whenever I was playing that game, but it's so much fun. I am Sinistar. Sinistar. <laughs> 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 that I've seen. I have no recollection of the gameplay. It's so creepy! Oh my goodness. <laughs> Once I saw somebody take the Starbucks logo with Sinistar and like match them together and I was like, this is perfect! <laughs> it's still my favorite things. That's funny. <laughs> <Sinistar> Starbucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, when, when I take the boys into the arcade, we don't do it too often yeah. because um, Tristan always invariably sort of ends up at one game that he can't play when he's really obsessed with. Aww. And uh, and it's just, it's just, there's only so long you can deny other people a chance to play a game, but I, like, I just don't play anything really, because I'll sit down at Galga and I'll be like, okay, going for three hours today.